Thanks for finding me here on Organic Matters. As those of you listen know, it started out only as a gardening show, and it's, I still do gardening at least one quarter of the show every week. And in the hot summer, you, I, I every, try to mention what you can do each week of the month, where you are, depending. Boy, this past week's been something that's been over 100 several days in a row, and looks like at least another seven days of 99 and 100, 102 or 3. Next Sunday coming, or actually Sunday after the week you hear this, this weekend, 107 in Central Texas. 107 degrees, probably going to be a new record without a doubt, unless we unless we miss the point. And we're getting pretty good at the temperatures. So anyway, what brings this on is when you think about the sun, what do you think about? I think about the good side, solar energy. And one thing that I've promoted, I've talked about before, I finally see it in the news in a few places is, why aren't we putting solar canopies on all the parking lots everywhere we are? Think of a solar canopy the size of the Walmart parking lot, wherever you are, just as a for instance. Solar farms are proliferating right now a lot on undeveloped land, often harming ecosystems. But placing solar canopies on huge, large parking lots actually offers a host of advantages. Making use of the land that is already cleared and can't grow anything anyway, producing electricity good reason, close to where it's needed, okay? And, of course, shading the cars and shading the pro- doing everything positive. Why are we sticking these things 20 miles out in the country kind of baffles me. Think about this. Fly into Orlando, Florida, and you're going to notice a 22-acre solar power array, incidentally, in the shape of Mickey Mouse's head, in the field just west of where you're going to land near Disney World. Nearby, Disney also has created a 270-acre solar farm of conventional design on former orchard and forest land. But then you go park your car in any of Disney's, listen to this, 32,000 parking spaces, on the other hand, and you don't see a single canopy. Why wouldn't you be putting overhead generating solar power over that whole area? They might add, not even if you snag one of those preferred parking places, which incidentally goes for $50 a day, your car still sits out there in the sun all day and burns. Would be nice if it was covered. And this seems to be the norm for solar arrays. For some reason, we've chosen to build them in open spaces rather than in developed areas. That is, they overwhelmingly occupy croplands, arid lands, and grasslands, not rooftops or parking lots. According to a global inventory that was published in Nature magazine, in the United States, for instance, roughly 51% of the utility-scale solar facilities are in deserts, 33% are in croplands, 10% on grasslands and forests. Just 2.5% of the U.S. solar power is coming from urban areas. Their argument for doing this... try to sell it to you is it's cheaper to build on undeveloped land than on rooftops or parking lots. And building alternative power sources fast and cheap seems to be somewhat critical in the race to replace fossil fuels and avert catastrophic climate change. It's also a lot easier to manage a few big solar farms on an open landscape than a thousand small ones scattered across urban areas. For that I, I do understand. And despite what I call the green image, putting solar facilities on undeveloped land is often not much better than 
putting subdivisions there. It's, it's kind of just no longer part of a ecosystem. But that doesn't necessarily mean it is smarter, for instance. Undeveloped land is rapidly dwindling resource and what's left is under pressure, a lot of pressure, to deliver a host of other services we require from our natural world. Growing food, sheltering wildlife, storing and purifying water, preventing erosion, sequestering carbon. That's just the ones that come to the top of my head. And that pressure is rapidly intensifying. In a study I find by the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, by the year 2050, supplying solar power for all our electrical needs is going to require ground-based solar to be about one half of 1% of the total land area of our whole United States. To put that number in perspective, think about this. Less land than we really already dedicate to growing corn right now for ethanol and biofuels. It works out, however, to 10.3 million acres. Because it is more efficient to generate power close to customers, some states could end up with as much as 5% of their total land management area, or 6.5% for a little Rhode Island, uh, of ground-based solar arrays. If we also ask solar power to run the nation's entire automotive fleet, which at some point, folks, is going to happen, may not be as quick as I would wish, but it's going to, that adds another 5 million acres. Still less than half the 31 million acres of cropland, though, eaten, this is a biggie for me, up in the year 2019, the last year I could find, to grow corn for ethanol. Folks, another dumb idea, a notoriously inefficient climate change remedy. We just got hooked on it and we want it, and the farmers have got to grown accustomed to having that income. As I mentioned a bit ago, despite the green image, putting solar facilities on undeveloped land is just not much better than putting a subdivision or a, a Walmart there. Developers tend to bulldoze sites, removing all the above ground vegetation, which although a lot of people don't think about, that's bad for insects, it's bad for birds that feed on them. And the Southwest deserts, where most US solar farms are now getting built, the losses also include thousand-year-old like creosote bushes, they've been there a thousand years, hundred-year-old yuccas, or worse, the proposed 530 megawatt Aratina solar project outside of Boron, California, for instance, will destroy 4,300 Joshua trees, a species that's truly imperiled, incidentally, ironically, by development and climate change. It is currently being considered for state protected status. I hope they make it. California endangered desert tortoises, one of my favorite animals ever on earth, end up being translocated. And that's not working, folks. I've studied this for 40 years. It's not saving the tortoise. As a matter of fact, it's, it's actually condemning him to, in certain cases, death. In the buffer zones around the protected areas, it confuses birds and other wildlife and complicates whole migratory corridors. But I find the appeal of parking lots and rooftops, for me, by contrast, is that they're abundant, they're close to customers, largely untapped for solar power energy, and on land that's already been stripped of its biological value. I looked this up. A typical Walmart supercenter, for instance, has at least a five-acre parking lot, and it's a wasteland. 
especially if you have to sweat your way across it under an asphalt bubbling sun in 105 degree weather, which I've done in the last 24 hours. But put a canopy over it and it could support a three megawatt solar array, which would incidentally provide power to the store, the neighboring community, and shelter the cars underneath which if I had to sell the concept to Walmart, is gonna keep their shoppers shopping longer and put electric EV chargers in there, run by the solar, won't cost Walmart anymore. And while they're in shopping, the customers get their cars charged. Folks, in case you don't know, there's a lot of Walmarts. When, when I went and looked it all up, and it's been a while, but not very long, less than a year, Walmart had 3,570 stores in the United States. Okay, their parking lots could produce capacity of 11.1 gigawatts of power. Roughly equivalent, think about it this way, to one dozen of the largest coal-fired power plants. Taking account of the part-time nature of solar power, it still figures that it would be enough to permanently shut down at least five or six of those coal-fired power plants. And in spite of all these facts, Solar canopies are barely beginning to show up in, in this country. I do know that in Washington, D.C., the Metro Transit System, for instance, has just contracted to build its first solar canopies at four of its rail stations with a projected capacity of over 12.8 megawatts. New York's JFK International Airport is, is currently building, might be done by now because this is a few months old, its first 12.3 canopy, it's going to cost $56 million. Okay, not cheap. Evansville's regional airport already has two, though, that cover 368 parking spaces, cost them six and a half million bucks. But according to a spokesperson for them, the solar canopy has already earned, listen to this, a profit, not just paid back, but earned a profit of $310,000 in its first full year of operation. And that's just based on premium pricing of those spaces. They pay, get a little bit more because your car is shaded and the sale of that wholesale power source to the local community. Unfortunately, a report that I discovered that was finished in 2018 from the Center for Biological Diversity gave a true failing grade to 10 states for policies that actively discourage rooftop solar. These states, this is why I'm interested, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, my home state, Indiana, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Tennessee, here, Texas, my daughter's place, Virginia and Wisconsin, represent a third of the nation's rooftop solar potential, but are discouraging and have delivered less than 7.5% so far. They typically make it difficult for homeowners or property owners to install solar and connect to the grid. It's crazy, folks. I mean, don't they see the writing on the wall? Kind of wrap up this segment. I'm just going to kind of freewheel it here a minute. Just this week, uh, the current administration has canceled tariffs on all solar coming out of a couple of the countries. One of them is Vietnam. I think the uh, Cambodia, China, a few of them that have been making them. Originally, those tariffs were put on supposedly to protect the solar business here in the United States. But as so many things the Trump administration did, it backfired. And it ended up that, that even though we're trying to make our solar power here, the world is no longer, we're not isolated, folks. 
we don't have all the components we need all the time. We need to deal with the world around us. And we've discovered that. So by canceling the tariffs, he's actually improved and increased our business here. Although the tariff was supposed to be us being isolated so we didn't have to compete. Well, it doesn't work that way anymore. We're going to learn that more and more as uh, history comes along. We can't stand alone anymore. We're not. We don't want to say this, number one in industry on earth where we don't have the population or the people to be able to do that. And we need to learn to fit in to the big picture. So that's definitely going to be more and more important as solar energy uh, and for that matter, wind energy comes online. So anyway, my take again, I, I hope you at least appreciate the fact that we do need to think about tomorrow, folks. The politicians that we have in charge today on both teams, I call it, are not looking 20 years down the road. We need to start doing that. 20 years comes so fast, believe me. I'm in my mid-70s. I remember like yesterday I was in my 50s. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters. <laughs>